0: and grateful this afternoon we thank you lord for the opportunity you have given to us lord to choose us to approach to choose us to come near to select us and separate us and bring us this close we ask lord that you speak to us let the word of god come to our hearts and change us and transform us Holy Spirit, we thank you. We give you love and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I yeah. don't you clap for Jesus yeah. as you take your seats. Amen. Wonderful. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. Today we are continuing our message on faithfulness. Faithfulness. We have been sharing. About faithfulness for several weeks. We've been talking about faithfulness for several weeks. And today we want to continue. And I want us to read our foundational scripture, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. I want us all to read it together. One, two, three, go. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2. Hallelujah. It says it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is a requirement. It is not an option. Amen. That you have to see to it that you are faithful. You are faithful. You are trustworthy. You are constant. You are loyal. We can trust your words. Amen. Amen. We can depend on you. Means you are dependable. That is faithfulness when someone is faithful. And the Bible says this is a requirement for all stewards, all people who serve God, all the servants of God, everyone that serves God. This is a requirement. You are required to be faithful. Amen. Amen. Now we have shared so many things on faithfulness. And we are saying that people begin with faithfulness. But then with time, they become unfaithful. Or they become disloyal. And we have been sharing some of the steps, some of the things that lead people to become unfaithful. Hallelujah. Now, we have shared so many things on this, and I would like or encourage you, if you have not been in church for a while, I would encourage you to listen to the messages that we have shared on faithfulness, and they will make a whole lot of sense to you. But today, we are continuing on these stages, stages that people go through to become disloyal or become unfaithful. And we said the first stage is the stage of what? Independent. independent spirit. A stage of independent spirit. It is a person who is in a group or in a, in, in a, in a society, and the, 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 the rules of the group do not govern such a person. When a person has an independent spirit, he is not governed by the rules of the group. And that spirit is an evil spirit. It's not a good spirit. God sets authority over us. And we are all under authority. Amen. Amen. And we ought to be subject to regulations and rules. The second stage, we said, is a stage of what? Offense. Offense is a stage of offense. Offense. Offense is a very dangerous stage to be in. When you are offended and you don't heal, you are on your way to destruction. When you are offended and you don't heal and you feel offended, any moment or any time you feel that I am offended and that is the reason why I am doing what I am doing, I want you to know that whatever is forward, whatever it is that you are doing, is an evil thing. Mm. Offense is one great key that the enemy uses to destroy unions, to destroy groups, to destroy churches. It's offense. Mm. Hallelujah. Amen. People get offended and they are not healed. Amen. Amen. When you are offended and you do not heal, you are on your way to destruction. Mm. Hallelujah. And we said so many things about offense. And what is the next stage that we talked about? Passivity. passivity. To be passive. Passivity. To be passive. Now, we don't talk about passivity if a thing does not have a potential to move or act. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? We don't talk, for instance, about the world is passive. Do you understand? The wall was never intended to move. So we cannot talk about passivity. When we talk about passivity, we are talking about things that ought to move or people that ought to do things and they have chosen not to do them anymore. Do you understand? Then you become passive. That is what is passivity. Amen. Amen. So we are saying that when people go through these stages, when someone is offended, when a person is offended, the next stage that he or she will get into is the stage of passivity. You will become passive if you are offended and you do not heal. Hallelujah. A person who is offended and is not healed, you will find this person... Who was once very active in the union or very active in the group? Someone who was once very active in the church, but because of offense, the person becomes passive. Hallelujah. Yes. The person becomes passive. And you see someone who was always happy and shouting in church and clapping and doing so many things. You find this person now passive, not doing things, not laughing. And the person is saying, because I did this and I got offended, I do not want to say anything about anything anymore. I just want to be by myself. I don't want any more trouble with this church. Hallelujah. I just come quietly and I go. I don't talk to anyone because of that. I don't. You see, so someone who was lively, someone who was joyful, someone who was always interacting, you find that person now being passive because of offense. Hallelujah. Amen. They stop doing what they used to do. Amen. Amen. Now when you don't heal from the wound that is caused by offense, you become dormant. You become passive. If you don't heal from the wound, you become inactive. Amen. That is why you must always fight against offense. You must always resist the offense. If you don't fight the offense and you carry on with the offense, it will lead you into a stage of passivity. Hallelujah. Now, the way to fight offense such that you don't get into the stage of passivity is to do the exact opposite of what the offense is trying to make you do or make you not do. That is the stage of passivity. The offense is trying to make you passive. The offense is a strategy of the enemy to remove you. The offense is a strategy of the enemy to extract you, to destroy you, and to fight that, to fight that stage of passivity you ought to do uh, the exact opposite of what the offense is intended for. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. His main goal, the, the enemy's main goal is to make you an inactive part of the body of Christ. In the church, when there is offense, the main goal of the enemy is to make you an, someone who is now inactive, someone who is now useless, Someone who is now not able to attach to the body. That is what offense do. Hallelujah. And eventually, he will eliminate you and destroy you. That is his goal. He will eventually eliminate you and destroy you. When you get offended, you find yourself drawing away from the group. That is exactly what the enemy wants to do to you. He brings offense, and then you don't heal, and then your solution to it is to draw yourself away from the group. Are are now, when you do that, he singles you out. He deprives you of the washing of water by the word. He deprives you of encouragement. He deprives you of love. He deprives you of comfort, and he draws you, and draws you. You see, if you see movies about the wild, about animals, you will realize that when deers are not very strong animals, they are not able to defend themselves, fight, and survive in the wild. But what they do is that they move in groups, they move in groups. And when they are in a group, it becomes difficult for a lion to attack one of them. So what a lion will do is to distract one of them. The lion will distract you and distract you. And so you find yourself moving away from the group and moving away from the... Can we fix this, please? Moving away from the group and moving away from the group. And once you are all far from the group, then the lion will pounce on you. That is what the enemy does. Hallelujah. He brings offense. And someone who was actively going to church every Sunday, you find yourself being passive about going to church now. Someone who was actively singing in the church, you find yourself being passive now someone who was actively involved in evangelism, you find yourself being passive. You are no longer interested. Because he knows that the way you are active in the church, coming every week, working actively, hearing all the things you are hearing, there is no way he can destroy you. He knows that. He knows that there is no way he can destroy you. But if he's able to separate you from these things, from hearing the things you are hearing, from receiving the kind of love you are receiving, that you are so sad, but he sees you, you just came from church, and there's certain life in you, and now you are going forward again. He doesn't like that. But if he's able to separate you from all these things, then he can destroy you. Amen. Amen. And the thing about him is that he will not make it obvious. He will not make it obvious to you So it looks as if you are just someone who is angered by some offense and you are packing and you are going. That is how it will look to you. But he has more intricate plan concerning that little offense that came. Hallelujah. Just as he does to the church, it's the same thing he does in marriages also. Hallelujah. He knows that if you continue to be here, If you continue to listen to what you are hearing, you will be washed by the word. He knows that as long as you continue to be here, you will be cleansed by the word. And the enemy knows that as long as you come every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, you become blameless. You become spotless, You become beautiful. Your life becomes beautiful. And that he doesn't like. His main purpose is to steal any good thing that you have. His main purpose is to take from you any good thing that you have. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. He says, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. This is how husbands ought to love their wives. Just as Christ gave himself to the church. Amen. Amen. Verse 26 says, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might sanctify... And cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Christ gave himself to the church. And you are a born again Christian. When you are born again, you do not become perfect overnight. When you are born again, you still have the tendency to steal. You still have the tendency to lie. You still have the tendency to fornicate. You still have the tendency to commit adultery. When you are born again, he says that then he will sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So every day you come and you hear the word, you are being sanctified. You are being cleansed. You are being purified. He's sanctifying you by the washing of water by the word. As long as you do not live. As long as you remain here, this is what is going to happen. Verse 27. he says that, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spots or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Hallelujah. Amen. And that is exactly, you see, He says that husbands ought to love their wives just as christ gave himself the church that means for the wife also the husband ought to love the wife yes the wife does not know how to cook when she cooks there's too much salt but the husband just ought to love the wife do you understand? You see, some of these young women, they grew up in a home where there are other sisters in front of them, and they were always in a kitchen with a mother, and they came on later, and they were not even given a chance to be in a kitchen. And suddenly, they are in a marriage. Do you understand? Suddenly, they are of age, and it's an age that is okay to marry, and so they are going in a marriage. And they don't know how to cook they don't know how to clean they don't know how to do so many things but as Christ brought you in and you were born again and he's sanctifying you by the washing of the word by cleansing you by the word husbands also ought to love the wife just as Christ loved the church so as you are loving yes she doesn't know how to cook, but you are loving her. She doesn't know how to clean, but you are loving her. She doesn't know how to do so. She doesn't even know how to take care of the children, but you are loving her. As you are loving her and loving her and loving her, it comes to a stage because that is the goal of Jesus Christ for the church. And that will be, it says, just as the Christ loved the church, so the husband ought to love the wife. And as the, as, as the wife goes on, as the wife is going on and she's cooking, it doesn't taste so well. But you are enjoying it and say, wow, did you cook that? Did you cook that? She said, and she asked, do you like it? He says, I just love it. It's so good. Are you sure you cooked this or you bought it? Did you order? He said, I cook it. Do you really like it? And so you see, the next time you see her reading manuals. She's reading menus. She's studying menus. Because now she knows that you like her cooking. You are just loving her. You are just loving her. And just as you are loving her and loving her, you see that someone who not know how to cook suddenly he says what you are going to do with your love as you are loving her what you are going to do is you will present her to yourself a glorious wife a glorious wife someone who is now glorious someone who has no spots you can't find one single mistake about her you will taste her food and you say "Mm, give me more give me some more with time. time. If only you don't get offended. If only you don't get offended and leave, but you remain and continue with the love and continue. Yes, she cooked, you brought your friends and you were so offended that there was too much salt in the food. You told her you were bringing your friends and you intentionally said, be careful with the salt. (laughs) You know, in fact, don't even put it because you know her. In fact, you said, don't put, even don't put salt in the food. Put the salt on the table. But she forgot. She put the salt and the salt came too much. So as you sit with your friends and you are eating the food, and you sit down and you dish yourself some, you see your friend's face and they look like they, there's too much. And then you say, honey, can you give me some more salt, please? Give me some more salt. And see, see, you are just loving her. And so they look at each other, the friends that have gathered. They, I say, uh-huh, it must be him. He likes too much salt. He likes too much salt. You see, and you are loving her. And you are loving her. And you are loving it, And you know, the comments that your friends will make, they can't make any negative comments. They know that that too much salt that is in the food is because of you. Because of me. And so they'll blame you. You say, you like a lot of salt. (laughs) But as you continue to love her, as you continue to love her, it says that a time will come, a time will come, a time will come with love, continual loving, washing the woman with love, washed by the washing of the woman with love, just as Christ washes the church with word, He says, "You will present her to yourself, a glorious wife, not having spots or blemish. There will be no wrinkles. You will see that the, her, her food is without wrinkles." When she sets up a table, when she sets up dinner, you will come to a stage when you, you bring your friends to the house with pride. Amen. Just with love. Just loving her. Just loving her. Amen. He says, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. It comes with love. You will achieve this with love. Hallelujah. Amen. You will get to this stage with love. So the next verse it says, "So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies." Yeah. Wow, that is deep. Yeah. So ought men, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Wow, what a scripture. So the Bible is teaching you that men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Amen. As your own bodies. You see, you have this big pot belly as a man, but you have not cut it off. It is in front of you. You don't like it, but you have not cut it off. But you go through certain pains to get it working well. And if you were able to take the offense, the offense of crunches, sitting up, exercising, the offense is hurting, but you are taking it. I don't like it, but I'm taking it. I don't like the way you cook, but I'm taking it. If you love your body just as you love your wife and don't cut her off and continue to exercise, just take the pain and allow it, take the pain, take the pain, it comes to a time where you'll be proud to take your shirts off. It comes to a time. You love your body. You don't want to cut it off, but you can do something that is painful. You can take on something that is painful. Wow. Yes, she has weight. You don't like the weight, but you can take it now. Take it in. Enjoy it now. It Amen. <laughs> you don't like the pe- you don't like pepper. It's too much pepper, but you are taking it now. It says you ought to love the wife. Just as you love your body and the part of your body that you don't like, many people have body parts of bodies that they don't like. You don't like the, the, the rashes that are on your back. We can see them. But you have not taken it off. Some of you, your toenails are not proper at all. But you don't pull them and throw them out. Do you understand what I'm saying with you? You try to do some manicuring. Try and work on it. Work on it. So, what you do, it says, love your wife just as you love your body. Amen. We don't throw it out. Hallelujah. But that is what the enemy wants you to do. Remove that part and throw it out. Amen. So if you were singing and you become offended, the goal to fight the offense is now to begin to sing more. To sing more. To endeavor to be in the choir all the time. That is the goal. The choir master gave you some instructions. You didn't do it and he rebuked you. The goal to fight that offense that came to you is to now come for more choir rehearsals. Do it the exact opposite of what the offense is trying to do to you. Amen. Amen. You see, when people get stroke, when someone suffers from stroke, what happens is that there is a certain part of the brain that suffers an insult. Do you understand? There's a certain part of the brain that gets offended, if I can say, or suffers an insult. And that part of the brain, its goal, the goal for that insult is to make a certain part of the body inactive. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? The goal for that insult is to make a certain part of the body inactive. And so you realize, you see, the enemy uses tricks. There's more to it than the offense. There is more at stake in your life than the little offense that has come in your life. That's true. True. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So, it's as if the offense or the insult is on the right side of the brain. But the part that is actually affected is your left limb, your left hand, and your left leg. Do you understand? The insult is here. The offense has come here, but its goal is to make you passive. Make you say that this hand, this part, is not working anymore. The offense that came, as stroke had hit a part of the brain, the goal is to make this part inactive and numb. Hallelujah. The attack of the offense has happened already. But its ultimate goal is to make a certain part of the body passive, to make it passive, to make it inactive, To become inactive so your hand that was still working the hand that is working actively now because of the offense it is passive it's not even able to move at all it's not able to move when that happens when that happens that part of the hand becomes useless do you understand what I'm sharing with you it becomes inactive it becomes useless it becomes passive But you see that it is receiving nutrients from the body. It is taking the nutrients. It is sharing in the nutrients. And some of you, you have suffered spiritual strokes. You have suffered spiritual strokes. People who were very actively doing things. There are some of you, you are benefiting from all the things in the church, all the nutrients in the church, but you don't contribute to anything. You don't contribute. They said, oh, we are collecting money to cook for this occasion. Some of you have made your mind, you will never give anything. That is your mind. You have made your mind that, and you, have, you, you also have surrounded yourself with a group. And you see that the people that are around you, they also don't contribute anything. And I share with you about Amos 33. People are not people. Is <laughs> somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? You have also surrounded yourself with people who are also the same. And so, you see, you are enjoying all the benefits. The, the part that has suffered the insult is enjoying the benefit, but it doesn't contribute. It does not help you to walk. It does not help you to live this. It's just there. It's just there. It is just there. And with time, with time what is going to happen is that that part begins to shrink. You see, you think you are just enjoying the nutrients and you are not contributing, but your inactivity, the goal of the insult, the goal of the insult is to make it now to begin to shrink. It begins to shrink and it's not moving anymore. And very soon you see that it is very small. And then it begins to curl, And it begins to be crooked. And it begins to be ugly. The enemy's goal for the offense is more to it than what you are seeing. It's more to it than what you are seeing. Amen. Amen. Wow. Great example. That is what some of you become. You don't contribute to anything in the church. When we are actively doing something, you exclude yourself. Because you have been offended. So what I'm trying to teach you is that you do the exact opposite of what the offense is trying to get you to do. And that is what people do when they have strokes. When you have stroke, when there's an insult to a part of the brain that is causing this part not to move, the way to make this part heal is to now get it to be active again and use it and let it be used immediately. He said don't keep that offense rise up to overcome the offense. Use it, activate it, let it move. And people come walking with that hand that is not able to move, they lift it and they put it down, they lift it, they put it down and they ask you lift it. You say you can't. He said lift it. You can. Lift you can and then you begin to lift it. And when you do that as you are doing that what you are doing is you are sending signals back to the brain to the part that is offended and you say offense get out you are driving the offense out you say I'm activating you again you cannot take me you cannot overcome me I am active again let it work and the brain is sensing activities from this hand and that part begins to heal then that part begins to heal so you do the exact opposite so when that then happens. Your hand, which you just used to swing, now they are making you to lift weights. They are making you to do things, harder things, making you active. So when you are offended, begin to do more of the thing that offense is making you do. Amen. Begin to do more of that. Amen. Can somebody understand my simple analogy? Yes. The way to fight is to make you exercise more. Do the thing more. To offset the offense. To restore the function. To come back. To bring back the function of the hand. To bring back. So you say, I was offended. I brought something and then the people shared it. They didn't give me anything. Begin to even, next time, bring more. Bring more. Bring more. Fight the offense. Bring more. Those of you who have made your mind that you will never contribute to anything, you are shrinking. You are shrinking. It's a spirit. The enemy is feeding you with something. Amen. Amen. Say, I have, I have changed. Say, I have changed. I have, changed. I have, I have changed. repented. I have Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 48. Let's read some few scriptures and then we can close the service. Jeremiah chapter. Of, passivity is a very dangerous thing. Jeremiah chapter 48. It says, Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. And cursed be he that keepeth back his sword from blood. Wow. Wow. Cursed be he that doeth the work of the Lord deceitfully. And cursed be he That keepeth back his sword from blood. Amen. Now what the scripture is saying, you see, when you are a soldier, you are given a sword. Isn't that so? You have a sword and the purpose of the sword is to fight. Do you understand? The purpose of the sword is to fight. Now the Bible is saying, curse is the soldier who has been given a sword, sharpens the sword, And then just put it in the sheath. And then you are not using it at all. Now when you are a soldier who has a sword and you are not using it, you have to hide in the war. You have to hide in the battlefield. So you will hide and hide and hide until the war is over. And you will have not used your sword. And the Bible says such a person is cursed. Such a person who is given talent... Such a person who is talented to sing. Some of you are talented to play the bass guitar. Some of you men are talented to sing. How many of you agree with me that we need some men in the choir? We need men in the choir. And you are talented with a voice to sing. But you are sitting there. God has given you a sword, but you don't want your sword to be bloody. You don't want to use your soul. Sometimes it's because of some offense that you, you, you experienced at your previous place wherever you were attending a church. You were there and then you got offended maybe because you were singing and you got offended. So since you came here, you have made your mind, as for this singing, I will never sing again. The Bible says a person like that who is giving a talent, who is giving a... Do you know that not the whole nation goes to the army? Not the whole nation is on the battlefield. There are soldiers who have been given swords to be in a battlefield. There is a reason why you have the talent to sing and I don't. So God is saying the one who has that talent, the one who has been given the sword and keep back his sword from bloody is cursed. So you are a soldier that is in a battlefield and you have hidden your sword and you didn't fight at all. But when there's victory, you come back with them and you are hailed as a hero. You see, no one knows that you were hidden. You come back as a hero. And so the Bible says such a person is cursed. You who, when we are cooking, you, some of you, you know how to cook very well. You cook very well. And you know that your cooking is very good. But when we are cooking, you don't contribute. You say, I'll bring dishes. I'll bring plates. I'll bring cups. Look, I have realized, you know what? The scriptures are true. Anyone who withholds, you will never receive. God is a very wise God, but his ways are not our ways. He says, give, and it shall be given unto you. I have seen that people who are always stingy, they don't, it's very hard for them to give. They don't have in abundance. They don't have. I'm telling you. You watch anyone that is very difficult to get money from. When you are trying to get money from them, very difficult. They don't have. I'm telling you. They don't have much. Not that they don't have to give, but it's difficult for them to give. So, Because they are, they are against spiritual principles. They, they go their lives go against spiritual principles. So you are a soldier, you have been given the talent to cook, but when they are cooking, you don't cook. When there's the cooking in the house, you will eat. You see, when there's victory, you come as a hero with the whole army. That, the Bible says, is not good. Some of you, you don't attend anyone's function. When someone is having a funeral, you don't go. Someone is having a wedding, you don't go. Someone is having a baby dedication or naming ceremony, you don't go. But when yours come, you want the whole church to come. And you want everyone to come and contribute to you. Anyone who withholds his sword. Anyone. Someone is having a baby shower, you, you will not contribute. But when it's your turn... You are expecting that all the women in the church, everyone should give you something. It's not a good thing. Tell your neighbor, it's not a good thing. Say that is not nice. Amen. You are sitting down passively and you are watching the choir struggling. It's not nice. You, you, as you are sitting there, you say that they need a man in the in the choir. They need at least four, five, six men in the choir. But you are sitting down. It's not nice. Amen. Amen. Passive, passivity actually destroys the church. Amen. Let us read one more scripture and then we will close. Second Samuel, Second Samuel chapter eleven, Second Samuel chapter eleven and verse one. Look at the high level of passivity. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. Let us read from the NIV so we finish early. So I don't have to explain doubt and wrath and doubting. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. Are you with me? Yes. Is everyone reading with me? Yes. It says in the spring. At the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the kinsmen and the whole Israelite army. They sent them to war. When kings ought to go to war, he was passive. He didn't move. So look, it says, they destroyed, this is the army, they destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. The Bible says at the time when kings were supposed to go off to war, he remained in Jerusalem. Verse 2, it says, one evening, because you are demand, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. Aimlessly. He had nothing to do. So he's just walking on the roof of the palace. From the roof, from the roof say from the roof from the roof he saw a woman bathing. look your inactivity in the church it will get you into a lot of trouble you will think you are wise oh these people they don't have anything to do with their lives and so let them work in a church. Let them stay in a church. Let them do it. They have come to church from morning till evening. What are they doing? And then you go home. You go home fighting with your wife. You see, you, you, that is the time that the divorce is coming. The enemy knows. The enemy understands. He says from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. Very beautiful. The Bible doesn't hide anything, I'm telling you. And the woman was very beautiful. How many of you have seen a bathing woman who is very beautiful before? You, you are not married. What did you see? A bathing woman who is very beautiful. Listen, we are almost done he said next verse, he says and David sent someone to find out about her the man said the man didn't even go he said isn't this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite she described the woman to a place where she's untouchable she said this is Bathsheba the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. Go, 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 get her. I'm the king. He sent messengers to get her. She came to him. And he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. Do you understand that? I don't have to explain that to you. That means she was ready. She was in a fertile state. She has just finished and it's about few. Do you understand? Okay. Sibali, you think they don't understand? Sibali doesn't understand. So this is the period of time where she was ovulating. That is what it means. You don't understand that one also. It means the eggs were coming. The eggs were ready. I'm not going any further. (laughs) So she slept with her during this period. Then she went back home. Then she went back home. You know, many women have suffered certain insults. Many women have have been put in a place where they didn't want to be. I believe she finished and then she just fixed her hair went in the bathroom and fixed her face and cleansed herself and she walked up on the street. No one sees what she has just suffered. Mm-hmm. Spirit of heaviness. No one sees what she has suffered. For someone's passivity. No one sees. There are so many women they are around with nice hair, nice makeup, but they are suffering inside. Suffering from people's wickedness. People's wickedness. Someone promised he was going to marry you and he didn't. Someone had made you pregnant and he said, that's not my child. And they are walking around with their hair and their makeup, pain in their hearts. Pain in their hearts. So much pain that some of them they don't even want to marry anymore. Of the offence, as we went for witnessing, I was just waiting and just trying to talk to the people that were passing. There was a woman who was coming there. She was on the phone, and the thing she said, I did not even, I was not even even able to stop her. She was talking to someone and says, Oh, I saw him there, and I left her. I left him. Man, I hate them. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> He says, man, I hate them. They're useless. Mercy. On the phone. And I was going to approach her and I think. <laughs> Let this one pass for the next shepherd. <laughs> this is for Apollo. <laughs> Not for Paul. <laughs> what a shock. <laughs> you know, There are some women, they are walking around with pain. So the Bible says, then she went home. She went back home. She finished and then she went back home. She went back home. The next verse, the woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah, this is Uriah in the battlefield. Someone actively fighting. You have have impregnated his wife. And he says, bring him home. Bring him. Send him from the battlefield. Bring him home. And they brought. He says, when Uriah came to him, David asked him, how Joab was. Joab is the captain of the army. How is Joab, my captain? How are the soldiers? how the soldiers were and how the war was going normal conversation then David said to Uriah go down to your house and wash your feet go home and relax that's another version go home and relax now the man who has been in the army struggling when he comes home a beautiful woman who is taking a shower what do you think can happen many things can happen so David knew that that's what's going to happen. So he, he sent him home because David was planning that the man would go home and sleep with the wife and then the child is yours. Do you understand the scripture? That was his plan. So you were left the palace. Are you enjoying the story? I think our time is up so we may have to cross. You are the same people. The same people. If I listen to you. (laughs) Okay, let me just read it and the explanation I'll give it to you next time. So Uriah left the palace. And a gift from the king was sent after him. What do you think the gift will be? Alcohol, food, parties, money, enjoy yourself. And have fun with your wife. And be drunk and then... Let things happen. But listen, but Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. You see, you are surprised. There are some of you the times that you choose to make love to your wives, they are wrong times. We are here, we are waiting for someone to come and arrange the chairs and make the place ready for the service, and that is the time that you choose. You see, not Uriah. Not Uriah. Not Uriah. You say, just give me five minutes, just five minutes, five minutes, and Tamarani was... The time that we are waiting for you to come and set up the place, that is the time. You, wrong time. But not Uriah. Tell your neighbor wrong time. And then your wife is saying, Oh, we are late, we are late. You say, Oh, give me five, give me five days, five, five minutes, five minutes. Wrong time, wrong time. Not Uriah, not Uriah. Listen to him. But Uriah slept at the entrance. He didn't go home. He slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master servants and he didn't go down to his house. Verse 10, when David was told Uriah didn't go home, he asked him, haven't you just come from a distance? Why didn't you go home? Why didn't you go home? Listen, Uriah said, this is what I want you to, Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my master Joab and my Lord's army men, my Lord's men are camped in the open fields. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Why? Wow. Why don't you clap for Uriah, the Hittite? They say we finished the service go home it's okay go home and then he's saying how, he said the house of god is at stake it is about the house of god people are staying and they are working things are not right we are struggling with the choir there's no man how can i go home how can i go home? how can i leave this and go home as long as i live i will not do such a thing it is about the house of the lord And he says, I will not leave the work of the house of the Lord and just go home and just be with my wife. I will stay. I will do the work. Let's focus. Let's focus. Please, listen. We are almost ending. Let's focus. How can I do such a thing? How can I I relax when the house of God? He says, it's about the ark of God. The ark of God is at stake. The ark of God, the Philistines have seized the ark of God. The act of God is at stake. How can I come home and relax? I cannot be passive. I cannot pretend as if we don't need people to work in a church. I cannot pretend as if I don't know what is going on. How can I? So he didn't go home. Then David said to Uriah, said to him, stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next at David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk, but in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among the master's servants say wow Wow. say what a man this is a real soldier (laughs) beloved, we have a long story to read our time is up, God willing next week we will continue from here there's more that I would like to share with you clap your hands for Jesus and stand to your feet stand to your feet there's too much that I want to share with you oh we are grateful and thankful Lord we are thankful Lord we are grateful Lord we are thankful Lord we give you glory we give you honor we thank you Lord we thank you Lord Father we are grateful and thankful In the name of Jesus. Beloved, if there's anyone here this afternoon, you are not born again. And you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to receive Jesus Christ as your savior. You want to welcome Jesus Christ into your life. Perhaps someone invited you. Perhaps you just came by yourself. But I want to assure you that you are not here by chance. God intended that you will be here today. It was ordained in the heavenlies that you will be here today. To hear the word of God. If you are here this afternoon. You want to receive Jesus Christ as your savior. Wherever you are. You say I want you to pray with me pastor. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be born again. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my savior. If that is your prayer. Just lift up your right hand. Wherever you are and I'll pray with you. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? I see your hand. I see your hand. Anyone else? You want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? You want to join them? The Lord is speaking to you right now. There's room on the cross. He's here to save you. Wonderful. If you have lifted up your hand, just why don't you come here, just join me for just a moment. I want to say this short Try with you. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, oh, the, mind, the old, I the Lord, to Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, say this after me say Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus thank you for dying for me thank you for dying. I, am a I am a sinner Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Lord. I believe you are the Son of God I believe you, you died for, die for my sins I believe you rose again on a third day I believe you rose up again on the third day Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Me of my sins. This afternoon, this afternoon I, repent of my sins. I repent of my sins. I repent for my sins. I for my sins. This afternoon, this afternoon I, welcome you into my life. I welcome you into my life. Be my Lord. Be my, Lord. Be my, master. Be my master. Be my Savior. Be my savior. Please, write my name Please write my name in the book of life. In the book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for saving me. For saving me. In, Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father I thank you for your children who have gathered here this afternoon to receive you. Your children who are, who are once lost. Lord you have welcomed them back to the flock. For your word says you will leave the 99 who do not need repentance. And you will go out into the mountains to search for the one lost soul. This afternoon, Lord, you say the heavens are rejoicing because your children have come back to you. I pray, Lord, build a hedge around them. Protect them. Keep them. Preserve them. In the name of Jesus, let not the enemy have a hand in their lives. Today, oh God, they make a promise, oh Lord, to serve you the rest of their lives. I pray, Lord, may you continue to walk with them. Draw them nearer and nearer to you. And continue to minister to their hearts. Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wonderful. God bless you, my brother. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.